Welcome to the 126th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. When Nick and Joan Olson decided a few years ago they wanted to buy a farm in western Minnesota to raise organic vegetables on, they thought it would be relatively easy. After all, they just needed 10 tillable acres or so, and they were living in the midst of thousands of acres of prime farmland. In addition, Sitting in the midst of all that land were numerous farmsteads that seemed to be abandoned. And vegetable farming was no mere pipe dream for the young couple either. They had already managed a community-supported agriculture produce operation, and Nick has worked for several years as an organizer for the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings Program. This latter experience meant that the Olsons had been exposed to cutting-edge sustainable farming management techniques. But as they drove the countryside and started talking and corresponding with landowners and other members of the community, Nick and Joan realized it wasn't going to be as easy as they thought. Although residents of rural communities were often supportive of the Olson's farming dream, they found it difficult to see how a small farming operation could make a go of it in the middle of corn and soybean country, where thousand-acre farms are not uncommon. In addition, farmland is often tied up in complicated ownership situations. It can make it difficult to pass it on to the next generation. But the Olsons were undeterred. They wrote letters, took out a classified ad, scanned websites, worked with realtors, and even spoke at churches. Their perseverance paid off in 2010 when they finally found a 33-acre farm that fit their needs and was available for sale. Today, their Prairie Drifter Farm in Litchfield, Minnesota, is an established community-supported agriculture vegetable operation. Unfortunately, the frustrations the Olsons faced in finding a farm are not unusual. Many beginners who have went to the trouble to gain good training and experience in agriculture find that their farming dream is stymied by an inability to get access to land. That's why LSP's Farm Beginnings Program has been working with various communities to develop strategies that help the next generation of agriculturalists get onto the land. I recently chatted with Nick about he and Joan's experience when they went looking for farmland. Nick talked about how patience and a willingness to think outside the box when it comes to farmland access could help beginning farmers. He also discussed the role community plays in this important issue. Yeah, so we we, we started driving around the, the community looking at potential farms that we thought you know, would would work for us and perhaps would be available because A, maybe nobody was living there or B, it seemed like the farming was no longer happening on that farm. And and we got excited. We looked at several places that were abandoned and, and we got really excited. So we got a little more serious. So we wanted to look more in depth about making um, a move on, on a farm purchase. So several of the farms we identified that were abandoned um, and seemed to suit our needs. We we actually wrote some letters. We wrote many letters, I should say, to uh, landowners. And it was a process of identifying the farm and then going to the county to figure out who actually owned that land. And once in a while, that person lived in the community, but oftentimes that person lived outside of the community. I think there was one instance where someone lived out of state, but most of them were somewhere within Minnesota yet. And we we had a letter crafted, and the, that letter talked about what it is we wanted to do as beginning farmers, that we had background in what we were doing. We weren't just um, doing this on, on the fly, and that we really wanted to be a part of the community and give back to the community in ways of being involved in, in a rural community, which we thought would resonate with, with a lot of folks um, living in the community or having a history with a farm. There were some letters we never heard back from. Um, some letters we 
receive note back and just explain to us how complicated the situation was, whether the farm was in a trust or it was owned by several siblings or if it was just not economically viable for them to give up the land rent that they were receiving on that farm. Several of the owners took it beyond that and, and allowed us to, to have a, another conversation. We had phone conversations with several people. But again, there just there wasn't enough incentive on the other side for folks to, to consider making, making that um, leap of faith or taking a risk on, on a beginning farmer. In addition to that, we spoke at several churches. We kind of shared that same story, who we were, what we wanted to do, how we thought that would benefit both ourselves, but also the, the rural community in which we'd be involved in. Um, we even joked with folks that we would start coming to church there and have some kids and bring our kids to that church as well. But again, we had a lot of heartfelt conversations with people who knew of someone who might have land or they had land themselves, but just couldn't quite see how it would work in their situation. It was really nice to, to get that emotional connection with people and, and see that they saw the value in a beginning farmer. But at the same time, there was enough limitations that they felt on their particular situations that couldn't make that happen. Uh, we, in addition, we we took out some classified ads and kind of posted who we were and what we were looking for, and and ran those. Um, those didn't lead lead to too much. And then all at that same time, we were working with three different realtors in three different regions, sitting down with them, having conversations with them, and um, they knew what we were looking for. And we got lucky that we we did find a realtor kind of a little bit further east than where we were currently living and looking, who actually was listening to what we had to say about what we wanted to do and what that looked like. And she worked really, really hard for us. Um, and in the summer of 2010, we looked at about 30 farm properties. Of those, a fair amount of them were with her. Then um, she would find these places and we would go look at them. It was actually pretty comical because as soon as we'd arrived to the property, she would immediately go into the house if there was one. And Joan and I would run out to the fields with a shovel and just kind of see what was out there. And then we'd always meet kind of back out in the driveway. And oftentimes she would say, so how did it go? And most of the time, the the setup of the land wasn't what we were looking for. So we were like, well, it's too hilly. It's too wet. It's it's There's not enough land. Um, and she would say things like, "Good, because the house is about to fall apart." Um, that was the common, the common reaction we we had with one another. After it was the end of August um, of 2010, we had looked at the the last farm that she had been able to pull out of any of her listings that she was working with, and we looked at it. And in that case, it was too hilly, and the house needed to be torn down. So um, we kind of walked away and she said, well, I'll keep looking. And on our way home, she actually called us on her cell phone and, and said, I found a place on Craigslist um, and it's not too far from where you are now. You should go look at it. So we kind of just loosely pulled into the driveway of this farm that had a for sale sign about the size of a sheet of paper at the end of the driveway that said for sale by owner. We pulled in and at first glance, it, it was worth pursuing. So she actually set up a meeting with us and, and the owners and Again, we ran out to the fields and things seemed to look all right. And uh, she went in the house and came out to the driveway and said, hey, this is the first place we've looked at that um, you could actually just move right in. Um, so that was really exciting for us. And we wanted to do a little more homework. So we actually brought some mentor farmers of ours out to the land to, to take a look at the land. They knew what we wanted to do production-wise. So they walked the fields with us. We brought shovels to kind of just see if, if this farm in particular could meet our needs as, as vegetable farmers. And our mentor farmers thought things looked good. 
And the owners were about our age and had grown up on farms about a half hour from there and were looking to move back onto one of the family farms and build a house back on one of the family farms. And they also realized, I think, they they were coming from a beef and dairy background. And this farm at 33 acres wasn't large enough to, to fulfill what they wanted to do with farming. So they were working off-farm at the time. They were really great to work with because we ended up getting a loan through FSA, um, Farm Service Agency, a beginning farmer loan, which was the only reason we were actually able to finance the farm because of their, their the willingness to work with us and, and the lower interest rates. But the owners were also really willing to work with us because they knew FSA as, as being um, growing up on farms, and they realized that it wasn't an overnight process like like working with a conventional lender. So there were several times where we got some phone calls, you know, well past when we had hoped to be moved in saying, have you heard anything from FSA? And we just kept saying they told us they'd call us as, as soon as, as they knew. So this, this couple was willing to be patient with us. And they had faith in FSA, too, because they actually moved out a week before we actually got the OK um, on closing because they had um, they wanted to move out before winter came. FSA came through and everything everything worked out quite well. And we just feel really lucky because now we're in a neighborhood with a lot of um, family farms supporting us and what we're doing, even though it's it's not something that they've seen in their neighborhoods before. And I'm also excited because just being there the last two years, I've met a lot of people in the neighborhood and there's eight farm families within about 30 minutes of us that have gotten started in the last three or four years. So it's it's telling me that, that this region that we're in now is, is a potential place for more beginning farmers. I think that's it's really interesting that you you had this connection to farm beginnings. You had this connection to the community. You really saw it as, I mean, you went about and were very conscientious about how you, you were very methodical, I guess is what I meant to say, about how you went about this. And still you had, it took you a while. I mean, it took a couple of years to, by the time you got what you wanted. I mean, have you learned anything from this experience about how maybe other beginning farmers could get over some of these barriers and, and, and maybe save themselves a little bit of time and trouble? I've thought a lot about it, and I wish that I had a, a you know that silver bullet answer to say, we'll do this and, and it will happen sooner. But I, but I think I, two things that I, that I think. One is I think that patience is part of this. This is a big a big leap to, to purchase a farm or even get into a long-term lease or rental situation. And I think a lot of us are excited and eager, and, and I am totally in that boat, where I think maybe that eagerness and excitedness made it seem a little more desperate than it actually was. Whereas I, I have a good feeling, and I don't know if it's true or not, that had we stayed in that community a little bit longer and maybe rented land for another year or two, because we were currently, we spent a year renting land. Um, I think if we would have rented land a little bit longer and continued getting that word out there, that I think something would have shook down. We were expecting at the time, so we had a little more urgency of really wanting to set those roots down, which I think a lot of people do. So I think that's not unique in that, that eagerness. But I also think, too, number two is that we were in the mindset that we needed to purchase a farm. And I think mostly because that's the only model we had seen up until then. All the farmers that we knew and that were doing something similar to the, what we were doing were in a situation where they were owning their farms or making payments on owning their farms. So we weren't thinking too far outside the box, which I, I'm starting to see more models now where I could see some situations that could be 
advantageous for a beginning farmer to not own the farm but to have this secure land tenure. So they know that they're not getting kicked off the following year so that they can start to make some investment. And I'm starting to hear more of that happening. Um, and I think for us, that's one of the biggest things we learned. If we had to do this over again, I think we might be able to go into it thinking a little more creatively about potential ways to get on land for a period of time where we could still be making some capital investments and building some equity. The the one tricky part about that was several of those opportunities arose for us, which we got excited about, but none of them had housing connected to them. Mm -hmm. And for us as vegetable farmers, and I think a lot of farmers I could think of livestock would be probably even more demanding, there's, there is a need at times to be in proximity to where you're farming. And with vegetable farming, that was definitely the case. And on our rental year, we were traveling 20 minutes each way to get out to the farm. And that worked, but it, it wasn't sustainable over the long term. So some of these creative options that actually, and I will say, I will go back to that original community where there were several creative options that people brought to the table for us, but none of them involved housing or water. And those were two critical things that we needed to start a vegetable operation. One point I think you really made a really inter- a key point here is when you were going to the churches, you were you were kind of joking, but you said, hey, we're willing to have kids and come to your church. But I think that brings up a, a important point of trying to present to people in the community that we can be an important part of your community, whether it be we'll be shopping on Main Street or going to your schools or whatever. And I, in working with the Farm Beginnings Program and working with beginning farmers, people are excited. Beginning farmers are excited to be involved in a community. They have a lot of energy. They're bringing a lot of talents. But it's not only that bringing. They're looking to be receiving the wealth of of a, a historic farm community that has so much to give back to them. So I've I've found a really nice balance here. You know, I think there was some connotations a, a while ago that you would hear about of all these new people coming in and wanting to change everything here. But I'm not seeing that in, in the beginning farmers that I've been working with. I'm seeing this nice balance of the communities being very welcoming to the fact that there are more farmers farming back in their community, that they are shopping on Main Street, that they are sending kids to school, attending churches. And at the same time, the beginning farmers are saying, wow, we've entered this community that's really welcoming to us. And we have customers in this community where we thought perhaps we would have to be bringing our our product to a larger area, and yet we're able to get a fair amount of customer base right in these communities. So I'm seeing a really nice balance of those two things coming together, and and that's really exciting. And I think that mentality of coming in to make things better and changing isn't where beginning farmers are at right now. And, and that, I think, has been really advantageous for both the beginning farmer and then the communities that they're, they're getting involved in. For more on LSP's efforts to help beginning farmers gain access to land, see www.farmbeginnings.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org, or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.